0: Hello! You are listening to "Getting After Lefty, starring Gary Gatehouse, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We have good
1: questions on the show, like... Uh, Mr. Obama, sir, I have a, uh, just a quick question, if I can. Um, I was wondering, you know,
0: just, uh, where, uh, Where the hell is your purse or again?
1: Well, here it is, Friday, and you're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show... Friday edition of Getting After Lefty Anything Goes. Your host, Gary Gatehouse, the preacher of conservatism, exercising my First Amendment right, Getting After Lefty. Well, I hope your folks are having a great day wherever at in God's big, beautiful world. Beautiful day down here in Texas, about 85 degrees, not a cloud in the sky, a little bit of breeze coming up off the Gulf can't complain. It's February, man. You know, ladies and gentlemen, first thing I got to say to kick off this show is, for the Pope that's hanging around down in Mexico right now, the Pope that's up there on the border, the Pope that's up there trying to stir it up and telling everybody we shouldn't build a wall, we should build bridges, Pope, Mr. Pope, why don't you pack your bags, get on your Pope plane, And fly back across the pond to Italy and go back to your Pope House and shut the heck up. We don't need you sticking your Pope nose in America's business. We're sick and tired, we Americans are, of paying for the whole damn world's problems. We've been doing it for decades, for centuries. And we're tired of it. We, the hardworking people of America... I don't care what you say, Mr. Pope. We the hard people of America, we're working people of America, we are not required by anybody in the Constitution or otherwise to support people from other countries at our own expense, at our country's expense, at our children's expense. So Mr. Pope, go back to Italy. Go back to your Pope house, walk up the Spanish steps, go into the Basilica, whatever. I've been and looked all over those places. I've been into all, everywhere except your house, because it was behind a wall, and you couldn't get into your house. But you want people to come across our house, our border, into our house, America, and you don't want us to build a wall to stop them or keep them out. No, you're accusing people of wanting to do that, not Christian. You know, in all respect, Mr. Pope, if you was anybody else, I would be using some very choice words for you. But I respect not you, because I think you're a communist, at the very least a socialist. You come from a socialist country. I'll keep it toned down. But I tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, I'm sick and tired of every Tom, Dick, and Harry, including the Pope, coming to America or on our borders and pointing the finger at the United States of America and telling us we have to do more, we have to give more, we have to give in, we have to let anybody that is anybody who wants to come into our country, being good Christians, whatever, we've got to let them in, no questions asked. It's not going to be that way anymore. We have put the bill for so damn much stuff that's gone wrong in this whole big world of ours, whether it be a natural catastrophe or wars. And the American people are sick and tired of it. We're sick and tired of people like the Pope, people like leaders in Europe and everything. We bailed their ass out in World War II. We never got any thanks for it. You're some, very little. Then the people of Europe after World War II, we provided them with an umbrella of protection so they could go on about their business. At the expense of the American people, the American taxpayers, we protected them all the way through the Cold War against the USSR and communism. What happens? Europe doesn't tell us thanks. They thumb their nose at us. They tell us we should do what they think we should do. They get into our business. You know, the the American people have finally, in the year 2016, after over a hundred years of getting kicked around and beat up and made fun of by those people uh, from across the pond, wherever, our own politicians, whatever, the American people just said, the hell with that. We don't want any part of it anymore. We don't want any part of the damn political system up in D.C. ran by those political whores up there working out of the biggest political whorehouse in the world. We don't want any part of anybody that has the word political in front of their name or senator or house of representatives or dog catcher, whatever. You know, folks... You can get kicked in the teeth time after time. You can get punched in the face. You can have your door down and your face beat in. You can have your door down and your pocketbook and billfold stolen from you. But there comes a time when somebody meets you at the door to knock it down, you're not going to take it anymore. And you're waiting there for them. And that's what America is doing today they have awoken to the fact that not only our country and the people who run it have taken full advantage of us and abused us most of the world has now I want to go back in time a little bit I remember a few years after my father my uncles all came back from World War II Every one of them were shot up, beat up. Never the same again. what they do? They came back, took off the uniform, rolled up their sleeves, raised families, and got America back to work again. Got, got them going. Got America going. But from about 1960 until today, it just went downhill. The great generation, those guys and gals, that fought World War II to save the world from Nazism and Hitler and Tojo in Japan. They're all most of them are gone now. Most of them are gone, and their children, which I'm a part of, most of them grew up in the sixties. Most of them grew up in the sixties, and for some reason, in the sixties, somewhere in the sixties. A switch was thrown. And that baby boomer generation went crazy. Went crazy. They turned against their own country that their fathers fought for. They turned against everything that was good about their country. Turned their back on it. And a lot of those folks went through the college process they were taught by communists, socialists, Marxist, progressive professors. And those folks that were taught that all that isms grew up and some of them became politicians. Some of them became professors in colleges and furthered the idea or the ideology of socialism and communism. The ones that went on to become politicians said Well, we can't be using the word communism anymore. There's still people out there to understand what it is. So we'll change that name to progressivism. It has a better tone to it. Progressive progress. And that's where we are today. Hillary Clinton has admitted to being a progressive, and she's proud of it. Bernie Sanders, card-carrying socialist, progressive. The Democrat Party, most of them are progressives. The leadership in the Republican Party and some followers, progressives. And they've all taken advantage of we the people. All taken advantage of we the people. You know, ladies and gentlemen, you can talk about this kind of stuff until you're blue in the face, but until people come to realize... Just how bad America is when you talk about the psyche of the average American today between the ages of 15, 18, and 50. They're not the same Americans that I'm used to when I grew up. They're not, you couldn't even compare the two. You know, they call us old school for the way we think. We're not with it, man. But it's a sad commentary to look at the American people in that age group, which is quite vast, to know that most of them have been indoctrinated into socialism and communism throughout their school years, high school, college, graduate school. So when they get out into the workplace, they're already conditioned to accept things and words like Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders use and yes, some even in the Republican Party use. They're already conditioned to accept it, to understand it, to go with it. But we all know as Americans, we who pay attention, we patriots, we conservatives, we people who love America, love our Constitution, love our military, and want our country back. Want it back to the days that I'm talking about when we were proud to be American. We were at the top of the heap. How did we get there? It wasn't given to us. We scratched and called and worked our way to the top. And along come all these yokels and they want to tear that down because they say well, they're ashamed that America's so strong and so rich. We shouldn't be that way. We should be down wallowing in the dirt with all the other third world countries. That's the way it should be. Make everything equal. Everything on a level playing field. Everybody gets a trophy, whether you show up to the game or not. That's the way our younger generation have been told things should be. And all those people that have bought in and uh, support Bernie Sanders and support Hillary Clinton, that's the only thing they know. That's the only way they've been brought up. Probably most of them have been brought up in a very liberal, socialist, Marxist, progressive family environment. Their moms and dads probably are. So ladies and gentlemen, like I'm, the point I'm trying to get across is, on this Friday, we've got a long road to hoe. We have a lobs- lot of obstacles in front of us as a nation to get back to where we want to be. To be back where we should be. And we're going to need a strong leader at the tip of the spear. A leader that will not take crap from anybody. From the left or the right or the middle or any mainstream media. Somebody that's not limp-wristed. Somebody that's not hamstrung by political correctness. Somebody that's not afraid to call a spade a spade. Somebody that will tell the American people the truth even though it might hurt him for what he says. That's going to be the kind of person we need to get us out of the ditch. That's going to be the kind of person we need to make America strong again. That's the kind of person we're going to need to get America back on the main road. Now, before I go to break, I want to make an announcement about the Gary Gatehouse radio show, Getting After Lefty. The Gary Gatehouse radio show, Getting After Lefty, is now carried on another station, Conservative Radio Network. Conservative Radio Network. And you can find my show at conservativeradionetwork.com, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, from 7 to 9 a.m. each morning. 7 to 9 a.m. each morning on conservativeradio.com, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Make sure you check it out. The, uh, the conservativeradionetwork.com has all kinds of line of uh, conservative talk folks up there. All kinds, all kinds of shows. You'll recognize all the names once you get up there. Some top dollar dudes and dudettes are up there on conservativeradio.com. Uh, network.com and the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show is proud to be a member proud to be one of the shows that is on conservativeradio.com again every Monday, Wednesday and Friday you can listen to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show 7 to 9 a.m. on network.com we'll be back after a few short messages
2: at the American Lung Association we're fighting for a day when we can all breathe easier We're fighting for clear skies over every city and healthy lungs throughout the country. We're fighting to keep harmful secondhand smoke out of our public spaces and workplaces. And fighting to free millions of Americans from the addictive grip of tobacco and the devastating effects of lung disease. We're fighting for a day when kids no longer battle airborne poisons in their own homes or the fear of an asthma attack. The American Lung Association isn't just fighting for air. We're fighting for all the things that make it worth breathing, and we can use your help. Join us in the fight. Visit fightingforair.org and read about just a few of the many ways the American Lung Association is fighting to protect the air we breathe, both indoors and out. See what you can do at fightingforair.org. Kids, you're never alone. Whenever you need help, there's always somewhere to turn. Kids Help Phone is a safe, confidential place you can call anytime, anywhere, no matter what the problem is. Call Kids Help Phone at 1-800-668-6868 or online at kidshelpphone.ca.
3: We'll be right back after the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily look at the significant issues of our time from an experienced conservative perspective. Mrs. Schlafly is founder and CEO of Ego Forum, a leading force in the pro-family movement since 1972. And now, here's Mrs. Schlafly.
4: California produces 40% of the raisins in the entire world and exports a third of its massive raisin crop. It takes four and a half pounds of fresh grapes to produce one pound of raisins, and a strong market price for raisins is necessary to cover their substantial costs. To help prop up the market price, the federal government has had a program since the Great Depression of forcing farmers to set aside a percentage of their raisin crop each year, thereby reducing the supply of raisins and increasing their value. In 2002, the set-aside percentage was 47% of raisin farmers' crops, And the federal government showed up at raisin farms to order farmers to load 47% of their raisin crop onto government trucks for disposal. At 8 a.m. one morning in 2002, the federal government arrived at the raisin farm of the Horn family and demanded they load nearly half a million dollars worth of raisins onto the government truck without receiving any payment in return. The Horns refused. They were then slapped with a fine of $200,000 plus another $480,000 for the estimated market value of the raisins themselves. The horns turned to the courts to avoid paying this crippling penalty. Litigation dragged on for more than a decade until it was finally resolved by the U.S. Supreme Court in a 5-4 to four victory for property rights. The simple question presented to the court was whether the takings clause of the Fifth Amendment requires the government to pay just compensation to raisin farmers when the government grabs their raisins, as required when the government takes somebody's land. The Supreme Court answered yes, ruling that people have as strong a property right in their raisins as they do in their land. So score a victory for property rights.
3: This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Eagle Forum. Want to join in on the spirited debate over issues you care about? At EagleForum.org, Phyllis Schlafly is blogging about education, radical feminism, government health care, national security, parental rights, and more. Stay informed and add your own comments to the blog at EagleForum.org. Thanks for listening and join us next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report.
1: Well, welcome back to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show, Friday edition, Anything Goes. You know, patriots, all you moms and dads, brothers and sisters, aunts and uncles out there, all you veterans, all you active duty military personnel, all you patriots of America, all you people who care about your country, about the Constitution, there's one big issue that looms over the heads of all Americans. And I wouldn't call it really, I like to change that word from issue to a, a movement or a something that's embedded itself in the psyche of America, into our government, into our schools, into our churches, into America, and it is harming us beyond belief. Political correctness. What is col- uh, political correctness? If you look at political correctness and how it is being pushed on us by the left and by the secularist and by the people, uh, non-believers, those who have no faith in whatsoever, they're just going along to get along. Political correctness discourages First of all, discourages First Amendment speech and practice by denying and working against those who simply voice another point of view. Now, the essence of political correctness is to brand those who voice another point of view as bigots, hate mongers, racists, homophobes, whatever the case may be because what they say and do is perceived as offensive by someone or some group that is signed on and bows down to the false god of political correctness. The principle and or action of needlessly taking offense at something which someone may say or do Or what has been said or done and then intolerantly criticizing others is used by the news media to herd collective thought and mold public opinion? For example, cursed by anyone who steps out of line and would call Barack Hussein Obama Jr. a a fake president because he has not met the U.S. constitutional requirement for being a natural-born citizen? How dare these carnival barker birthers suggest that America's first elected black president, well, at least half of him is, is black. How dare they say anything about him being unconstitutional and therefore fake so the political correctness crowd would ideologically speak. Political correctness is in our culture allows for the direct discrimination and singling out of a legitimate traditional entity, preventing that entity or person from common sense expression of the United States of America. First Amendment right, the right to free speech. The freedom of religious liberty is always under assault, ladies and gentlemen. We know that, especially if you're a Christian and a conservative. Now, the prime perpetrators are often political leaders who use their elected, appointed, or otherwise usurped positions to force their godlessness and immortal politics upon the masses. Someone would ask, What are the requirements? How do you identify what a political correct person is? A follower of political correctness. Patriots, there is only but one requirement to be a disciple of the false god of political correctness. Just one. That requirement is possessing no standards and no restrictions. Placating the false god is easy. Anything goes. Those embracing the false god of political correctness learn very quickly to trumpet upon others with whom they disagree. The accusations of bigotry, hate mongering, and racism. I would argue that political correctness is of the same mold as Muslim and Islam and Quran who say to anybody that does not believe in the Islamic teachings, the, the Quran and does not sign on to Islam, and they call us infidels and anything we say or do that does not fall within the guidelines and confines of Islam, then we are of no count. Nothing matters as far as what we say. We have no footing. We have no basis because we are non-believers. If you look at political correctness, it's the same thing. Us people who have a different point of view, than those who sign on to political correctness. We are infidels. Political correctness infidels. We don't believe what political correct people say. And they try as hard as they can to take our First Amendment rights away from us. Name-calling, racism, whatever. All the tools of being a politically correct person to shut people up who speak out against them or have a different point of view. But you know, belief in the false god of political correctness has corrupted America's culture, has found its way into every facet of American life, including our Christian religion. The schizophrenic decadence of our present culture and malignant politics, which sacrifices virtue at the altar of vice and replaces the good for the bad. You know, ladies and gentlemen, that was a piece that came from Moral Matters, and I thank them for that, with a little bit of Gary Gatehouse injected into it. But I wanted to kick off this hour with that for the simple reason that when you look at all that's going on in the political arena right now on the Republican side, and yes, even the progressive Democrat-Communist-Socialist side, there are certain people in the Republican side, we patriots, who support Mr. Donald Trump. We know he has not a political correctness bone in his body. Mr. Trump tells it like it is. No punches pulled. Calls a spade a spade. America has gotten away from the truth. Political correctness has taken that all the way out of the America psyche. The truth doesn't count anymore. Political correctness now controls many in America, including many, if not all, of our politicians and mainstream media along comes this guy Mr Donald Trump a very successful businessman confident in himself and proud of it as he should be but in this day and time to show confidence is labeled as arrogance to tell it like it is is boisterous loudmouth uncouth the truth does not fit anywhere in the whole political scheme a whole political correct culture in America and Europe today. Patriots, both here and abroad, both here and in the European countries across the pond, we need people. And in our case in America, we need a president that tells we the people the truth. We need a strong, outspoken president. That will speak up for we the people. We need a president that will not lie to us. But will treat us like American adults. We are living in very trying times. And we can't afford to have a weak person in the White House. Such as Jeb Bush, Marco Rubio, Ted Cruz, John Kasich. These guys are all a product of working within the framework. Working within the framework of corrupt politics born and bred in our government at the highest levels. Political correctness. They are all signed on to it. They have been exposed to and are corrupted by politics and political correctness. The next president of the United States must tell the American people the truth and nothing but the truth. The good news and the bad news. What we as Americans are faced with What we as a nation must do to get our country out of the socialist ditch and back on the main road again. No half steps. Just the truth. Something has that has been missing in American politics for decades. And again, a man steps forward. A businessman, Mr Trump. And Gary Gatehouse believes, as many others do, that Mr. Trump is that man who will lead America out of the ditch back on the main road. And God willing, he will be the next president of the United States of America.
5: Liberty Council is a litigation, education, and policy organization established to preserve and advance religious freedom, the sanctity of human life, and the family. We have offices in various places around the United States and affiliate attorneys in all 50 states, plus a major outreach in the nation of Israel. Don't get discouraged about what's happening in our country and around the world. Get encouraged. Get on your knees in prayer and get involved. Stand with us in preserving our Judeo-Christian values. Visit lc.org. There is a big case before the United States Supreme Court. It comes out of Texas, and it involves regulations of abortion clinics and hospital privileges, admitting privileges into various medical facilities. That's been challenged, and now it's before the United States Supreme Court. Liberty Council has filed an important amicus brief representing the National Hispanic Christian Leadership Conference and also Operation Rescue in this particular situation, overviewing the problem with deregulation of these abortion clinics. This case is now before the Supreme Court. A decision will be made no later than the end of June. We're going to be talking about it on Faith and Freedom. I'm Matt Staver, founder and chairman of Liberty Council. Joining me is Matt Barber, the founder of barbwire.com. Matt, this is an amazing uh, case. It is a good opportunity for the Supreme Court to have some common sense and allow common sense regulations of these abortion clinics. The problem that you have is many of these abortion clinics, they're exempted from common sense medical regulations that apply to other facilities, even that apply to veterinary facilities. These abortion clinics are oftentimes deregulated. And in some cases, for example, most cases, you have these so-called doctors that have a medical degree, uh, but they couldn't do anything else probably except for abortion. Uh, They're sleazy uh, kind of doctors that come in and do death Uh, camp killing every week with abortion, and they will kill a child, potentially harm that woman, put that woman at risk of losing her life or health, and then not have any hospital admitting privileges because they're quack kind of doctors. They don't have the hospital admitting privileges, so when their patient gets injured, they can't admit them into the hospital and go with them and carry on that particular care because they have no right to be there because they don't have any hospital admitting privileges so some of these regulations are saying if you're going to do it you got to have hospital admitting privileges the consequences of which mean that many abortion clinics many of these abortion doctors will not be able to do abortions and that's why they are opposing these laws well many of them are quacks
6: (laughs) and that's why most of them are are quacks. I mean, they they get kind of the the dregs, the the bottom of the barrel, if you will, of uh, people who are willing to actually uh, violate their Hi- Hippocratic oath and and take an innocent human life and kill instead of save. And so they get, you know, abortionists themselves are usually you know just not good enough to become a you know a real doctor, if you will. But there's a racist element here too, Matt. Nearly eight out of ten surgical abortion facilities are intentionally. Located in in uh, uh, African American or Hispanic communities and neighborhoods, and that's in keeping with Planned Parenthood's long history of racism and eugenics. You know, Margaret Sanger, the founder of Planned Parenthood, spoke at KKK rallies. Uh, she talked about uh, you know they they didn't want people to find out that this was about getting rid of of the feeble minded and and the Negro and, and as some of the language that she used, uh, just totally a, a racist organization that that. uh uh, it has tried to cover up that history. So we shouldn't be surprised that they... They don't want any kind of common-sense oversight here where there's clearly a compelling state interest to protect women. They're not interested in protecting women. They're not interested in protecting babies. They're interested in in treating women and babies as a commodity, killing the babies for profit. That's what this is all about.
5: That's exactly what it's all about. You have the largest abortion clinic of Planned Parenthood in the country, of any uh, abortion clinic, right there in Houston, Texas, set in the midst of a Hispanic and African-American minority community. We represent the National Hispanic Christian Leadership Conference that represents over 40,000 Hispanic churches throughout the country uh, with a big presence right there in Texas. And uh, their communities are desperately hit by these abortion proceedings and and, uh, death camps. So these clinics they set up, the doctors uh, pop in, uh, they don't have regular practices, Uh, they cannot get admitted to a hospital because their quality of of care is so abysmal uh, that these hospitals, they're not going to want quacks that have admitting privileges because it ultimately puts the hospital at risk. So they only give admitting privileges to people that have at least decent reputations in legitimate medical practices, not to say that everyone's going to be flawless, obviously. But hospitals have an interest in only allowing people of a certain caliber to be admitted or to have admitting privileges, meaning that you can admit your patient and you can be with them and come in and visit and provide a standard of care to them while they're there. Wouldn't you want that if you had an orthopedic surgeon, for example, who's treating you in the office, does an MRI and says, now I want to admit you to this particular hospital because I'm going to do surgery on you. And that person then continues to follow up with you. It, it provides a continuum of care. These abortion doctors, they don't have that. They do the death killing in their clinics. Uh, they'll put some of these women in jeopardy of their lives, and then they get transported to the hospital. Well, these doctors can't be there. So, as a result of these abortion regulation clinics in Texas, about half of the abortion clinics uh, shut down because the doctors did not have hospital admitting privileges, the standards of Care, the regulations, the surgical procedures didn't come up to the level necessary for other outpatient surgical procedures or centers. The abortionist filed suit. Now it's before the United States Supreme Court. The real question is will the Supreme Court uphold it? We have ultimately filed a brief. I encourage you to read it. You can go to lc.org. You can go to the Supreme Court Should Protect Women uh, press release and click on the hot link that says amicus brief. I encourage you to read it because in that We uh, worked with Operation Rescue, Troy Newman, to overview lots of the problems of the deregulation, the injuries, uh, the health risks that occur in Texas. And also, of course, we represent the National Hispanic Christian Leadership Conference. Go to lc.org. I encourage you to read this case, read the brief, and then pray for this uh, case as it's going before the U.S. Supreme Court.
6: Well, and and Matt, you know, why uh, are these clinics located um, in African-American neighborhoods, in Hispanic neighborhoods, eight of ten of them. Uh, well, Margaret Sanger, in talking about birth control, she said this. This this betrays everything you need to know about Planned Parenthood, Margaret Sanger. She said, birth control must lead ultimately to a cleaner race. Mm. Uh, what does that mean? She also said, "In why abortion? She said, quote, the most merciful thing that the large family does to one of its infant members is to kill it. That, that, just sh- that just surmises the, the culture of death, the mentality. And when, when the most merciful thing to do to a baby is to kill it, when that's your mentality, and, and, and when you want to cleanse the race and, and you know, for, of, of black people, as Margaret Sanger and Planned Parenthood did, uh, the human race. Then why should we be surprised that they want to be able to uh, have as many abortions as possible without any kind of health regulation to watch over to make sure that women aren't bleeding to death and dying, that, that there are uh, doctors with admitting privileges that are adequately qualified, that there are regulations to make sure that that uh, all the surgical tools are clean and, and so forth? They don't want any of that because the goal here is to be as merciful as possible. And the way, according to Margaret Singer and Planned Parenthood, that you can be as merciful as possible is to slaughter as many babies as possible.
5: Yeah, she was part of the whole eugenics movement. Uh, she was referred to by Adolf Hitler. Adolf Hitler was a fan of hers as well. And, uh, of course, Adolf Hitler was in the ultimate eugenics movement when he tried to wipe out people uh, that were not Aryan. He wanted to create an Aryan super race. That was part of this whole eugenics idea. That's what Planned Parenthood, that's what Margaret Sanger, ultimately did as the modus operandi, as the reason for existence of of Planned Parenthood. That's why eight of ten, eight of ten, eighty percent of all the abortion facilities in Texas are located in African American or Hispanic neighborhoods. There's a reason for that. Go to Liberty Council's website, lc.org, pray for this case, pray for Liberty Council, support us financially. Also sign up for the Awakening 2016 at lc.org. At the Awakening 2016, we have a breakout session Planned Parenthood and Human Genocide, and we have uh, lots of great speakers on that particular panel. Uh, We have uh, Sandra Susan Merritt, who will be there. She's one who was indicted in Houston. She's one of the undercover investigators of Planned Parenthood. Uh, We have the threat of ISIS. We have gender confusion, setting the record straight. Amazing number of people on that particular panel. Civil Resistance, When Man's Laws Conflict with God's Laws, amazing group of people, including David and Jason Benham. So much more, Israel in the Middle East. We have great plenary speakers there. You'll not want to miss The Awakening 2016, March 5. You can register right now at lc.org. Click on the Awakening icon. It is an uplifting event, one that you will not want to miss. Remember Liberty Council in your prayers and your regular financial support.
3: You have been listening to Faith and Freedom with Matt Staver of Liberty Council. We hope that we have motivated you to stand up for your faith, family, and freedom. Working together, we can make a difference. Get informed and stay involved. Visit Liberty Council's website at lc.org. That's lc.org. And tune in next time right here for Faith and Freedom.
1: This is Gary Gatehouse. Make sure you tune in to Restoration Radio International weekends to listen to the Gary Gatehouse radio shows back to back. Wow! Yeah, that's right. Gary Gatehouse radio show on Restoration International Radio out of London, England on the weekends. Had a lot of fun in England when I lived over there. I lived over there for, I don't know, most of the, uh, of the 70s, a decade of the 70s. And I returned there many times thereafter on business. Enjoy the pubs. God, did I enjoy the pubs. I love British beer. And I don't know how many of you patriots out there have ever drank British beer or what they call bitter. But it's some of the best beer. You you know, it doesn't have a head on. It's almost flat looking. But God, that is the best tasting beer. And the best time, here's a little heads up. The best time to get British beer or even try British beer, if you're an American, because Americans like ice cold beer. Now it's probably changed a little bit to the to the plus side of all this. I'm getting ready to say than when I was over there, because in the 70s and 80s, if you didn't uh, drink beer in the winter time, then you're going to get hot beer in the summer, or or very lukewarm beer. In the winter time, they brought that beer up out of the cellar and they pumped it up, you know, and, and uh, it was ice cold. Oh man, it was this good, this good. And I supped down many, many a pint by in the local pubs down in England, uh, London and uh, towns thereabouts. I, I did a lot of motor racing when I was over there, and went up, uh, hung out a lot up in uh, up around Silverstone and Brands Hatch, down around Maidenhead and all that. And I enjoyed all the little pubs around there, Green Man, Walking. Uh, oh, I, I can't even remember all the names. They all had fantastic names. And you could sit in there and have have a little, little bit of notch uh, lunch or whatever, and uh, a couple of pints and play some skittles or uh, little little board games, darts, whatever, and just sit there and talk to your mates is a the British way of life back then. I I have a friend of mine who runs Restoration Radio International out of London, England. Uh, he's the owner operator thereof, Mr. Stephen Lang, and he tells me it's all changed, and God, I hate to hear that. I just loved to get off work and go down to my local and just sit there and, and sit there and chew the fat with all of my mates and just had a good time. I guess like everything else, everything moves on and everything changes. But that was one aspect of British life that I just absolutely loved. That and the people. The people were fantastic, still are. You know, ladies and gentlemen, getting back to politics... We all know that have paid that have paid attention to politics in the last few years that there's one sleazy, I mean one sleazy guy that hangs around with the likes of McCain and hangs around with a a lot of sleaze balls up in the uh, up in the uh, Congress. His name's Lindsey Graham. Just to see that guy's mug on on television and hear him open his mouth, I, I had to turn him off. I can't stand him. But you know, last Wednesday, Donald Trump kind of kicked Graham's ass. He blasted the former presidential candidate, Lindsey Graham, for criticizing his electability and his temperament to be president. Grose said, I think Lindsey Graham is a disgrace. And I agree with you, Mr. Trump, he is. And I think you have one of the worst representatives of any representative in the United States, and I don't think he should run, Trump said about the South Carolina uh, senator at a campaign event in front of the lawmakers' home state crowd. Remember what I said about Trump not pulling any punches, calling a spade a spade. Prime example. In front of Lindsey Graham's home, homeboys, if you will, in South Carolina. Trump said, "The South Carolina senator had a campaign event in front of the lawmaker's own crowd. I don't think he could run for dog catcher in this state and win again. I really don't. Other than that, I think he's wonderful." With tongue-in-cheek, probably. But you know, earlier Wednesday, in an interview on Fox News, Graham said the Republican frontrunner, Mr. Donald Trump, would make a terrible commander-in-chief and said the Republican Party would get slaughtered with him as a nominee. Really, Mr. Graham? Do you think if you were nominated to run for the Republican Party that you would just uh, overwhelm everybody? with your so grandiose and so well, uh, soft-spoken and, and your whole approach to talking to people? I don't think so. You're a dork. And that's a very, very polite word to say about you, Mr. Graham. I can't stand you. And I think there's a lot of people out there who would feel the same way. But you know, Donald Trump went on to say about Lindsey Graham, he says, I think he's one of the most dumbest human beings I've ever seen. And I had to put dittos on that, Mr. Trump. Graham suspended his campaign in December but struggled to gain any traction in the crowded GOP field in the early state and national polls. He couldn't even get anything going in his own state. How he continues to be reelected as senator, I have no idea. Like Trump said, Lindsey Graham ends up at zero percent. Zero. He's a guy that ran for the presidency and he was at zero. That leaves a disgrace, in my opinion. Mr. Trump said he watched Graham speak on America's newsroom and ridiculed him for going crazy when the billionaire's name was mentioned. I saw him on television this morning. And I think he, he's lost it, said Donald Trump. He's, he couldn't even talk, Trump said. He was shaking. The hatred. They, they say, what do you think of Donald Trump? Well, well he's crazy. The guy's a nut job, said Lindsey. But you know, ladies and gentlemen, Lindsey got out of the running for the nod on the Republican side for the White House run. And just to show you how much of a loser he is, he's backing another loser. The governor from Florida, Jeb Bush. That shows you how much of a loser Graham is. Two losers, one backing the other. But I've said enough about Graham. He's a non-starter. He's a non-entity. He's just one of those guys that's been up in the Senate so long, all he knows how to do is blow smoke. That's all he knows how to do. He's worthless. He's no good. He's a straight, he's a straight politician that knows how to lie, knows how to song and dance an individual. He's a, a pal of Chuck Schumer. He's a pal of Harry Reid. He, I, the, the guy is worthless. And I don't even really know, Mr. Trump, why you spend any time talking about the guy. Better things to talk about than Lindsey Graham. But you know, ladies and gentlemen, being it's Friday and anything goes on this radio show, and we have been talking about politics for what now? 45 minutes? 48 minutes? I think it's time we break up politics and get a little bit of enjoyment back into the game. How about a little music? Listen to this. One, two, three... Uh-huh. Okay, for all you folks out there that don't have a little sunshine in your life today, maybe a little dark and gloomy wherever you're at, let's do a little bit of talking about the sunshine. How about it? I wake up in the
0: morning at 6 o'clock. They say there may be rain, but the sun is hot. I wish I had some time just to kill today. And I wish I had a dime for every bit like
1: Sunshine. Feels good, right? And that's
0: the sound of sunshine down
1: Early spring, it's coming. Sunshine's on the way. Warm weather. Yeah! All you folks up on the East Coast, you know it's coming. The groundhog said so. You <laughs> got Coast it's already down in South Texas. We'll send it up to you real soon. (laughs) I love that song. I really do. It reminds me of It reminds me of the beach. It reminds me of summer, it reminds me of all the past good times and all the you know. Summer's a time where everybody really gets out and does their thing, right? It is. And springtime is the rebirth. It's when the earth is starting to come awake again from all the, is you know, the doldrums of, of winter and and hibernation and all that crap. And you start seeing a little bitty hint of springtime when you maybe look at a tree and you see the buds is starting to come out a little bit. And you say, oh yeah, maybe that icicle on the end of your roof is starting to drip a little bit faster. And every once in a while when you walk outside, you feel just a little bitty wisp of warm air across your face. Yeah, that's spring, man. And then comes summer. All that sunshine. All the good times. Like I said, down here in South Texas... We never really leave the warm times. We have some cool times, yeah. But we have two, really two seasons down here. Summer and... Well, actually, summer and kind of a a late spring and... uh, Early spring and a late spring, whatever you want to call it. I guess the early spring was what you folks would be calling fall. But, uh, hell, we got two or three growing seasons down here for tomatoes, whatever. So... South Texas is a place to be. I mean, it's warm enough today. If I wanted to go to the beach, I could go to the beach. And I could lay out there on my big fat butt and sit there on the sand and watch uh, the uh, surf come in and feel the warm sea breeze against my skin and blowing in my hair, what I have left of it. And uh, this is February. I could have done it in January if I wanted. But... uh, Again, I've said it before, all you folks up around the East Coast, all you conservative types, all you folks that believe in your country, all you patriots, and you're just getting fed up with all the big-time taxes and getting fed up with the cold winters and all that and the ice and snow, pack it up. Look for a job in Texas, southern Texas. That's where you need to be. That's where you need to be, south Texas. No, I'm not working for the uh, state of Texas. or I'm not working for the Tourist Bureau. I'm just That's just the way I feel. I mean, uh, Texas is my home, and uh, I love it. I love the to pieces. Where I'm at, I can walk out on my back deck and see a huge lake. I can look either way, north, south, east, or west, and see huge hills, mountains. Trees are green year-round deer in my on my property any time of the year it's just a it's just a beautiful place every once in a while I very seldom see them, but every once in a while I go out on my deck in the evening and I can hear hear the wild turkey back towards the back of my property i very i've seen them but just glimpses you don't see them a lot and one thing that uh I do have on my property, well, we all have on our property because we have such great big plots of land out here ranches and whatever once in a while i'll hear one and i've never seen one except dead but i've heard them javelinas and uh, wild pigs and they're all over the place down here and you'll see them every once in a while where a truck or something's hit them on the side of the road big dudes big old wild pigs hogs you know and uh, they're they're dangerous they'll they'll come after you they kind of travel in packs And uh, they're nasty creatures. Nasty smelling, too. My God. But, you know, ladies and gentlemen, we talk about politics a lot on the Gary Gatehouse radio show. And like I said on Friday, anything goes. We can talk about anything. Now, before we go to break, we got about, why we got about five minutes, four minutes. I want to talk about my hot rod. I want to talk about my car that I've been working on for going on, oh, I don't know, four years now. And that darn thing is just about done, and I'm already looking around, scratching my head, getting that itchy feeling, looking for another one to do. And my wife told me the other day, said, Gary, you don't need to start uh, working on another project. we got enough honeydews around here for you to do that'll last you for the next 15 years. That scares me. That scares the hell out of me. My only retreat... My only escape from honeydews is to get out into my man cave, my three-and-a-half-car garage, I guess, and work on my projects. And believe me, I got a lot of them. Right now, I'm working on an 8.8 Mustang rear end that I'm restoring. That I'm going to put another set of ro- uh, road worthy gears in, about a 370 ratio, whatever, maybe even jump it up to a 411, and stick that up underneath my hot rod because right now it's got kind of a trash box rear end under it. All you folks that hate cars and gearheads that talk about them, bear with me, okay? You know darn well I very seldom talk about what I do other than talk on the radio about politics. I like to fish, I like to hunt. And I like to race cars, and I like to go fast. Faster the better. I enjoy it. But I see we're coming up to the hour, and i that's probably a, probably a reprieve for you guys and, and gals that just don't want to hear about Gary's escapades other than bumping my gums about politics. I know that's what the show's all about, getting after lefty. But every once in a while, I like to cut loose and give you just a few more tidbits of where Gary's coming from, what I'm up to, what I have did, where I've been, etc. Right now, we got a break for On the Hour News. And when we come back, since it's uh, Anything Goes Friday, I'll have some surprises for you. So until the second hour, which is just around the corner after the five-minute news, we'll be right back.
4: You are listening to the Gary's Gatehouse Radio Show. Gary will be back after the Fox 5-minute news break.
7: News ready to go. I'm Pam Puso. Two days before South Carolina's Republican primary, Donald Trump is stealing headlines. It all stems from a dust up with Pope Francis. Fox's Evan Brown live in Columbia.
1: Uh, Pam, it began on the Pope's flight home to the Vatican from Mexico following his tour
5: there. The Pope was asked about Donald Trump's idea to build a wall to prevent further illegal immigration from Mexico into the United States. The Pope said it would make the Donald not a Christian. You know, honestly, the Vatican has massive walls around. We should build walls like the Vatican, so perhaps he wants to move out of the Vatican. But if you look at the walls around the Vatican, I've been there, and uh, those are walls.
6: Uh, Trump has been leading in polls here in South
5: Carolina. A Fox poll just published shows him with an apparently untouchable lead, Pam.
7: Thanks, Evan. The battle for second place in South Carolina is apparently much tighter and nastier. Ted Cruz has 19 percent Marco Rubio trails by four points.
3: The Rubio campaign is complaining that the Cruz camp has put out a flyer, a direct mail piece, that has a picture of Marco Rubio shaking hands with the president. This, they've said and they've demonstrated with uh, the original picture, is a fake. And the heads of the two men, Obama and Rubio, were essentially attached to somebody else's body.
7: Fox says Carl Cameron, the home of a Navy veteran is the focus of the FBI. Agents are searching the home of the brother of one of the San Bernardino shooters. This as Apple readies itself for a legal battle over the shooter's cell phone records.
2: Apple
8: is saying it cannot comply with a court order to break into the terrorist's iPhone because its newer operating systems were encrypted by default. Basically, Apple is saying it literally has to create new software that will let the FBI do what's called brute force entry into the terrorist iPhone.
7: Liz McDonald with Fox Business Network. Fox News Ready to Go. Fair and balanced.
2: Go, Caleb! Come on, hit a homer, Jesse! Let's go, guys! Hey, did you guys know that kids who play sports earn more money when they grow up?
6: Of course, I I knew that.
2: Hey, did you guys know that kids who read books have a bigger vocabulary?
1: Oh yeah,
6: absolutely.
2: absolutely. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow, jinx. <laughs> did you guys know that friendly children have more friends? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
6: That's true. I knew that. Did you guys know that winter babies are better at music?
2: Everyone knows that. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah pretty obvious yeah, yeah so yeah. obvious oh hey guys did you know that most people think they're using the right car seat for their kid but they're not
5: huh i didn't know that
2: i'm pretty sure i knew that i'm pretty sure you didn't parents who really know it all know for sure that their child is in the right car seat at the right age and size visit safercar.gov the right seat to make sure your child is protected brought to you by the national highway traffic safety administration and the ad council
7: As Turkey investigates a deadly bombing, it's urging the U.S. to sever ties with a Kurdish group.
5: Turkish officials lashing out at the U.S. today for its support of the Kurdish rebel group, the YPG. Turkey's prime minister says the group was behind Wednesday's deadly attack in Ankara, which left 28 people dead, and called on Washington to cut ties with the YPG. Turkey has long viewed Kurdish separatists as enemies, but the U.S. backs the YPG as one of the most effective groups fighting against ISIS in Iraq
3: and Syria. In Jerusalem, Connor Powell, Fox News.
7: It's been plugged permanently, a natural gas leak that sent thousands of people packing in Southern California. For four months, methane gushed, causing people to complain of headaches and nosebleeds. You may remember the oil spill that sullied parts of the California coast last year. The government says it was caused by corrosion.
6: The rupture spilled more than 140,000 gallons of oil near Santa Barbara. Federal regulators say the Plains All-America pipeline stopped due to a pump failure. A restart of the line caused oil to flow at a higher volume and pressure. Inspectors say the corrosion could not control that flow. The pipeline company would not comment on the government report. A spokeswoman said an internal investigation is continuing that could lead to fines. The spill caused the cancellation of beach events during the busy Memorial Day holiday and sent remnants floating more than 100 miles away to Los Angeles beaches. Grinnell Scott. Fox News.
7: A plan at Iowa State University is pretty simple. Eat bananas and earn hundreds of dollars. Researchers are going ahead with a project in which a dozen students will be paid to eat genetically modified bananas that are supposed to help people in Africa make vitamin A. Critics argue genetically modified foods can be dangerous. Supporters maintain the bananas are safe. Pam Pousseau, Fox News, ready right go.
0: are listening to the Gary
1: Gatehouse Radio Show. That's right, darling. You're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show, second edition. Welcome back. It's Friday. Anything goes. It seems to me that uh, Obama and his complete disregard for even recognizing the fact that Scalia Supreme Court justice was part of the federal government Obama's not going to show up for Scalia's funeral and to me that's a slap in the face he's sending Uncle Joe now we know us conservatives know that Scalia was a champion of the conservative cause and we also know that the left the Democrats Obama all of them didn't like him Matter of fact, some hated him because he was 180 degrees out of phase with what liberals and cons- and uh, progressives and socialists and Marxists and communists, all housed within the Democrat Party, how they think. He was not politically correct. He was a man that looked at things logically. He was a man that did not legislate from the bench. And it just, he just didn't fit the groove, man that the Democrats would like a Supreme Court justice to be. He's just not, he he was just not uh, somebody that they even really wanted to recognize was even there. But you know what's really sad? It wasn't minutes after Mr. Scalia died, or as some think, maybe murdered. And that will be a, I don't know, uh, something that people will talk about for a long time, I think. Some will call it a conspiracy. Somebody like Gary Gatehouse that looked into it a little bit deeper. On, and if you listen to my Wednesday show, you'll understand what I'm talking about. I, I still, the uh, jury's out as far as Gary Gatehouse is concerned on that whole deal. But it wasn't minutes after Mr. Scalia passed away on that ranch out in West Texas that people were already arguing about who... Was going to be the next Supreme Court Justice replacement for Anthony Scalia. The Democrats were saying, No, you got to get somebody. We got to, we're going to send you somebody and you got to confirm them right away. That's the prerogative of the president and the president is going to do it. And by God, you, you Republicans are going to fall in line. And jo- Mr. McConnell, Mitch McConnell jumps up and says, Uh, we're not going to do it. We're not going to confirm anybody until after the election. And it was all over the news. McConnell is standing strong. Looking like a Republican. Something that the Republican constituency has wanted for a long time. Blah, 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 blah. Seen a headline today. It says, Cracks emerge in GOP refusal to consider Supreme Court pick. Now, concerted Republican opposition to considering President Barack Hussein Obama Jr.'s pick for Supreme Court... Showed some early signs of splintering on Wednesday, as a handful of influential senators opened the door to even to a, a possible confirmation hearing. One Republican even suggested the president should nominate a candidate from his state. Texas Senator John Cornyn, which I will never vote for again. He's a rhino. Texas State. John, Senator John Cornyn, the number two Republican in the Senate, did not rule out a committee hearing on Obama's forthcoming nomi- nominee to replace the, the late Mr. Scalia. And Senator Dean Heller said chances of Senate approval were slim, but added that Obama should use this opportunity to put the will of the people ahead of advancing a liberal agenda on the high court. Really, Mr. Heller? Do you honestly think that Obama would take the seize the day, seize the time, the opportunity to put the will of we the people ahead of an advancing liberal agenda on the high court? What are you smoking, Mr. Hiller? What are you smoking, Senator Cornyn? But should he decide to nominate someone to the Supreme Court, who knows? Maybe it'll be a Nevadan, Heller said. You see, he's from Nevada. Now, Senator Orrin Hatch, senior senator from the great state of Utah, who sits on the committee, says he opposes a filibuster to prevent a vote, as some Republicans have suggested. Senate Judiciary Committee Chairman Charles Grassley from Iowa has also said he'll wait to see who Obama selects before ruling out a hearing in his committee. Now, those senators formed a cautious but growing chorus of voices breaking with the absolutist position of Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, who has told the White House not even to bother nominating a candidate. Now, the Kentucky Republican, Mitch McConnell, and several Republicans up for re-election have maintained voters in November's presidential election should have a say in the direction of the nation's highest court. Operative words there, up for re-election. Senator Cornyn from Texas and McConnell's deputy agreed that it should be left to the president to pick Scalia's successor. Still, Cornyn said it was up to Grassley to decide whether to schedule a hearing and to McConnell to decide on a full Senate vote if the Judiciary Committee were to vote on the nominee. It's uh, entirely up to the Senate, ladies and gentlemen, whether to confirm that nomination. And Cornyn said, I don't think we should. And he said that on a radio show, the Mark Davis show here a while back. I don't think we should do the nomination thing. Talking out of both sides of his mouth. A typical politician. Now Mitch McConnell has shown no signs of softening his opposition to confirming an Obama nominee, which could put vulnerabilities, if you will, and Republicans... Their vulnerabilities in a precarious position as his party, McConnell's party, works to keep control of the Senate in November elections. But Senate Democrat leader Harry Reid predicted predicted Republicans would cave in, and you know what? I think Harry Reid's right. Republicans will cave like they always do. Harry Reid went on to say. I think my Republican counterpart, McConnell, has made a terrible mistake by saying he is going to ignore the president. The American people are going to make them pay if they jerk the president around on this. Again, I think McConnell and the Senate, owned and operated right now by the Republicans, you remember back in 2014 when the Republican Party told the the voters of America, Republicans, and conservatives, just give us a Senate. 2014, give us a Senate, and we will take care of business. They didn't do a damn thing. Nothing. Then they scratch their damn heads and wonder why their constituency, especially their base conservatives, are abandoning the Republican Party are shying away from the Republican Party and all its rhetoric and hyperbole. They, we, they, we've all heard it before a million times. The handwriting's on the wall. McConnell will cave. The Senate will cave. Obama will get his way. But one thing's going to be different about that whole scenario. While this is all going on, Donald Trump's going to be kicking ass and taking names. And when he becomes the president of the United States of America, the pull no punches, take no prisoners, tell it like it is, call a spade a spade guy. Donald Trump is going to put Congress in her place. Well I understand. You have to get along with him. I understand that so does Trump. But for the first time in any of our people, you, me, or anybody that's alive on earth today in the United States, for the first time, if Mr. Trump gets elected, it will be an outsider with no attachments whatsoever to the word politician. It will be the first time that we send a man to the White House and his family that has no ties with lobbyists and can't be bought and can't be influenced by either party. First time, ladies and gentlemen, that I believe we will have a true representative of we the people, less one, Ronald Reagan. That's the only other time I can ever think when we the people had a true representative, we'll have a true representative in the White House. But it's all up to us. We're the ones that are going to be pulling the handles to vote whoever it is into office. It's up to the American people. If we want to continue on with status quo type stuff, if we want to continue on having people lie to us every day, If we want to continue on with knowing people up there in Congress are behind closed doors, poking fun and making fun of we the people and figuring out new ways to hoodwink us and take our money, then I guess we vote for somebody else other than Trump. It's just plain and simple. I mean, it's cut and dry. You can listen to the mainstream media beating the drum about Donald Trump done this, Donald Trump done that, Donald Trump can't do this, blah, 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 blah. And like I've said on many shows, why are they doing it? Because they know damn well if Trump gets in there, he ain't going to take any crap off the mainstream media either. We've already seen evidence of that. He puts them in their place real quick. And we know their job's going to be a lot more difficult talking around what Trump wants to do and try to change the American people's idea of whatever it is that Trump wants to accomplish for we the people making it sound bad you know spinning lies into truth and truth into lies like I say all the time it's going to be a lot more difficult for the mainstream media to do that with a person like Donald Trump in the White House and I welcome that I welcome it. And I think the American people do too. We're sick and tired of being kicked around. Sick and tired of hearing the can kicked a little bit further down the road. Sick and tired of not ever coming up with a damn budget that works for we the people. Sick and tired of Congress finding new ways to circumvent our Constitution. Sick and tired of the Republican Party as no-shows on any issue. And when you want to find one of them, you just look under their desk. We're sick of all that crap. We've had enough of it. We really have. And all you folks out there, up there in Congress, all you senators and all you House of Representatives folks, I think America has finally got its capacity to remember back again. No short memories anymore. We'll remember how you react to any issue that impacts on we the people. We'll remember how you react when it comes to dealing with such issues as illegal aliens in our country. We'll remember how you react to such things as bringing more Middle Eastern, third world trash Syrians or whatever, Islam, Muslims into our country. We don't want any of that stuff. You You shoved it down our throat for years, for decades. We're finished with it. We've had it. And our way we look at things and our complete dissatisfaction on how you've been running the government for decades will show up at the voting booth. I can tell you right now, when I go to vote any Republican that's been in office more than eight years, I'm voting for the other guy running against him. I don't give a damn who it is. I'm not voting for Cornyn anymore. I'm not voting for Cruz anymore. I'm not voting for my local House of Representatives guy anymore. I'm not doing it. It's time for fresh blood. It's time to, as old Ross Perot said back in the 90s, it's time to clean out the barn. And it is. It's time to clean out the barn. And by God, I think the American people are in the mood to do exactly that. We'll be right back after we have a voice that comes to us from South South Africa, a little show called Our Voice with Ricky Rasmus, as she reports on what is going on in South Africa. A predominantly black government and the plight of white South Africans. We'll be right back after she's finished.
8: Hi there, folks. This is Ricky with Our Voice, The Voice of. Weboso, a community organisation, registered non-profit company in South Africa, whose main aim is to obtain with passive resistance equal application of the constitution of South Africa to all citizens, but more specifically the white minority, as the more than a 100 black economic empowerment laws has been prejudicial to whites in South Africa, over and above the problems with crime, and the general attitude of many blacks and politicians against whites in South Africa. Thank you for having an interest in South Africa, and more specifically the plight of a white minority in South Africa. To understand the enormity of the situation of the white minority in South Africa, one first has to take into account that the white population Of South Africa is about four and a half million as opposed to the known black population of about 45 million. These figures are not exact for various reasons. One being that our census system are not reliable for obvious reasons and secondly little to no border control and influx of illegal immigrants to South Africa who are mostly not accounted for. Worldwide, there is turmoil and South Africa has its fair share of serious problems, economically, politically, crime-related and every other sphere of an ordinary citizen's daily life. With the start of our new dispensation in 1994, most of us were positive and optimistic and trusted that things will work out for the best. But citizens have been led down on a daily basis and many do not believe in the rainbow nation anymore the only people that gained or that are happy with the current state of affairs if they are are the anc cadres and everyone that benefit from corruption and the criminals because they roam the streets freely and law-abiding citizens are locked up in their houses behind high pyramid fences burglar bars, electric fencing and having to activate alarm systems and in many instances having to be connected to armed response units and neighborhood watch organizations. Now for you that are used to live in your home without any fences, who are able to walk the streets without fear of being attacked, it should be difficult to understand how citizens of South Africa live under this crime-ridden circumstances. Fortunately, life has its cycles. Whatever was in fashion 20 or 50 years ago, becomes fashion again. And for political dispensations and circumstances, the wheel also turns, and then I also believe, in karma. One may go about illegally and feathering your own nest at the expense of others, or from corrupt practices, but it will catch up on you one way or another. I just find it inexplicable that corrupt and or unethical politicians or people never learn that principle in life. South Africa is entering a new year with the winds of change, for the better I believe, being felt. I believe that the prayers of law-abiding, fed-up citizens are being answered slowly but surely. One of our main problems is our state president, Mr Jacob Zuma, and then of course his party, the ruling party, the ANC. And I believe that Mr Jacob Zuma and the ANC is beginning to see or feel the signs of karma. The wheel is turning for him and for them. Specifically, referring to Mr Zuma, he will have to face two court cases in the next two months, with the possibility of at least one other court case looming. I have dealt with the Mkandla issue previously. For those who are not aware, Mkandla is President Jacob Zuma's private homestead or farmstead in KwaZulu-Natal, which originally consisted of nothing more but a few reed bungalows and a very modest house, and which was renovated with taxpayers' money, to the tune of 246 million rand at the time in 2014, and more has been spent since then. When this expenditure came to light, the matter was reported to the public protector, Thuli whose office investigated the matter, and her findings were that Mr. Zuma must pay back a reasonable amount of the non-security expenses for into earlier the swimming pool, the cattle crawl, the chicken run, the amphitheatre and reception centre. The amount was to be determined with the assistance of the National Treasury and the Police Service. Since this report was released, Zuma has done everything in his power to disobey the directives of the Public Protector and the ANC, and Zuma basically acted as if the findings the public protector is not binding. President Jacob Zuma was steadfast in his opinion that he was not liable to pay a cent, as he did not personally order the renovations to his private rural home, nor was he aware of the amount spent, according to him. This was, however, a blatant lie, as it is impossible for anyone with a fair amount of intellectual skills not to realise the extent of the renovations and the cost thereof. But Jacob Zuma also complained about the slow progress of the project and it's impossible that he would not have visited the homestead over this long period of time that the renovations took place and that he would not have been aware of the extent of what was going on there. Furthermore, the architect And many people involved with these renovations were friends of President Zuma. Police Minister Nati Mukleku exonerated Jacob Zuma in a report on May 2015. And he went through a tedious task of trying to convince South Africa that the swimming pool was a necessary security upgrade, calling it a fire pool, as it could double up as a tool to fight fire on the premises. Following this report, the opposition party, the Democratic Alliance, brought an application to the Constitutional Court asking the Constitutional Court to rule that Zuma has failed to uphold the law by flouting the uh, public protectors' directives. The Economic Freedom Front, another opposition party, also applied to the Constitutional Court for basically the same order. And the Public Protector joint issue with the DA and the EFF. In a turnabout last week, President Jacob Zuma sent a letter to the Constitutional Court asking for it to confirm his draft order based on a document drafted by the Dep- Department of Public Works in 2011 and call for the Constitutional Court to that this document of Public Works, with a costing of about $10.6 million to be used as a point of departure by officials nominated by the Auditor General and National Tre- Treasury to work out how much he is liable to refund, and then he will refund that amount of money. This is significant in view of the fact that to date he has denied that he owes any amount of money and in view of the uh, report by the Minister of Police that he does not have to pay anything back. The DA, however, did not accept this offer, nor did the EFF. The DA stated that the costing was outdated and that it did not cover the luxuries added to to the homestead. They stated that the $10.6 million was an amount that was accepted at the time, that is in 2011, that Zuma would have to pay for landscaping, lighting, and building. The cost, however, went viral and building continued thereafter. The DA had a further problem with Jacob Zuma's offer, asking the Constitutional Court to make an order. When Zuma argued that the Constitutional Court was not the appropriate forum, to deal with this issue. Zuma acknowledged this anomaly, but stated that it was in the national interest to put the Nkandla issue to rest. Personally and based on the history of this and other matters where the um, president is involved I believe this letter or offer was merely a delaying tactic as the carders will merely delay the decision again or determine the amount due so low that it will not be acceptable. Anyone except Mr. Zuma. It is in the interest of justice that the Constitutional uh, Court take a strong stance and make a ruling on the status of the Office of the Public Protector and its findings and directives. It is of utmost importance for justice in South Africa. That the public can rely on investigations and directives of the public protector. This matter will be heard in the Constitutional Court on Tuesday, the 9th of February 2016. We are all waiting in suspense. This application by the DA and the EFF is the second blow for Jacob Zuma in the last two months that we are or that I am aware of. In December 2015, South Africa was in the news again for the wrong reasons when Jacob Zuma removed the Minister of Finance, Mr. Nenny, and replaced him with a Mr. Van Ruyen, who was certainly not the right person for the position, but obviously had been placed there to favour something that Mr. Zuma wanted. Our rand dropped drastically and the stock markets plunged. And within two days, Van Rijn was removed and replaced by Mr. Proven Gordon, which is a much better move, but still the decision to remove Neni was inexplicable and still not explained. Zuma said that he intends um, using Mr. Neni for a position with the Briggs Bank, but Mr. Neni also must uh, must have been Very upset about this decision by Mr. Zuma because he resigned in December after this took place. But this resignation was only made public yesterday to citizens of South Africa. The DA has a further application against the National Prosecuting Authority to challenge its decision to not prosecute Jacob Zuma on numerous corruption charges. This application will be heard in the Pretoria High Court, court soon, probably in the next 2-3 months. This matter will eventually also have to be determined by the Constitutional Court, but the DA is positive about the outcome. I also believe that there is more than enough evidence to prosecute Jacob Zuma. If the decision is adverse to Jacob Zuma, he will have to face criminal prosecution and it will have significant effects on politics in South Africa, more so because we have municipal elections this year. President Zuma has also been served with a letter of demand by lawyers of the Transvaal Agricultural Union of South Africa on behalf of farmers or whites following his recent statements that South African land was stolen from black people. The Transvaal Agricultural Union indicated that if Jacob Zuma does not apologize and retract the allegations, they will take him to the Equality Court. The content of the letter to President Jacob Zuma has been published and it states, we refer to your speech delivered at the National Executive Committee on the occasion of the 104th anniversary of the African National Congress on the 8th of January 2016. Notwithstanding the written prepared speech, you deviated therefrom and made the following statement, which is of grave concern to our client Quote, Comrades, the challenges of poverty. Inequality and the unemployment have their roots in the vast tracts of land that was stolen from the indigenous people of South Africa. Close the brackets. Allegations about land that had been stolen in South Africa, together with other allegations which you have made referring to Jan van Riebeeck and similar statements, Have led our client to believe that yourself and the ANC are intent upon discriminating against whites and, in particular, white landowners. This also appears from a further statement you had made, namely, inverted commas, South Africa's history of apartheid and colonialism, characterized by racial hierarchy and systematic institutionalized conquest and disposition of the indigenous people of this country is directly related to our current challenges of unemployment, poverty and inequality. Close the brackets. We do not deny the effect that colonialism and apartheid has had on South African society. However, our client has a serious problem with the allegation that vast tracts of land in South Africa was stolen from the indigenous people of South Africa. This is factually and historically simply incorrect. Firstly, all the landowners of South Africa have not stolen such land, but have lawfully purchased the land that they own. That has been the case in respect of most of the land in South Africa for at least a century. The allegations made by you and the ANC are made with intent and in your Hindu to convey that white people who own land are thieves. Whites who came to South Africa were thieves, criminals and robbers. Whites in South Africa stole land without remuneration or agreement. And all black tribes were indigenous to South Africa when whites arrived in 1652. We have instructions to request from you and the ANC an unconditional apology to all landowners in South Africa and to white landowners in general for the hurtful, harmful and hatred-infused statement you have made. We advised our client that the statement was made with a clear intention to be hurtful, to be harmful, to incite harm and to promote or propagate hatred against white land owners. This constitutes hate speech in terms of Section 1 of the Promotion of Equality and Prevention of Unfair Discrimination Act Number no. 4 of 2000. Should yourself and the ANC not prepared, be prepared to furnish an apology, our client will have no alternative but to take the matter to the Equality Court or the necessary relief. The presidency has not yet replied to this letter. However, a spokeswoman for the ANC, Gisela Sangoni, said Zuma had communicated the views of the ANC that the land was taken illegally from the African majority. The land was illegally taken from the African majority, whether you use the word stolen or any other word. It does not change the facts, she said. Now we will see in the near future, near future if Zuma and or the ANC survive the blunders of Zuma and his cronies. The next three months will certainly indicate where South Africa will go from here on further and whether we will soon have a new um, ruling party or a new dispensation. I will keep you posted in follow up um, reports. And I hope that you yourself also will read up about South Africa and acquaint yourself with the circumstances that we have to live with. Thank you for listening and enjoy your evening.
1: Thank you, Ricky. And listeners, you can listen to our voice coming from South Africa exclusively on the Gary Gatehouse radio show each week. We'll be right back after a few short messages.
3: freedom in america radio network presenting the traditional view of the good old american dream that you won't hear about on the liberal media
0: freedom in america
6: yeah
2: one in 33 babies is born with a birth defect but mothers-to-be can help give their babies a healthy start This is Registered Dietitian Melissa Joy Dobbins for the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics with your Eating Right Minute. There are some simple steps women can take to prepare for a healthy pregnancy. Take 400 micrograms of folic acid each day. Don't smoke or drink alcohol and talk to your doctor about any vaccines or medications you take. Maintain a healthy weight gain during pregnancy and if you have diabetes, keep it under control. Remember, make regular visits to see your health care professional. For help choosing foods during your pregnancy and after baby is born, see a registered dietitian. Encouraging you to eat right, I'm registered dietitian Melissa Joy Dobbins with the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics.
1: Well, it's Friday and it's time for a little bit of honky-tonk music.
0: Well, honky
1: Love give the girl the world to the music up to Like to give a shout out to my friends up there in New Jersey, Antoinette and Mr. Trade Martin. Hope you're having a great day. Trade, you need to get out of the studio, man, and smell the roses. Or the snow or something. <laughs> get him elvis. Now if I was over in Nacogdoches right now I know damn well I could drive down any street All the dudes are out there washing their cars Polishing up their Yugos or Ferraris Or whatever the hell they drive And they're getting ready for the weekend Scraping them barbecues Getting ready to head to their local watering hole tonight Got their jeans all pressed and a nice white shirt And they're ready to roll Honky Tonk style.
0: All
1: well, to to the the to to you folks up here at Dogs of War Radio UK, I hope you're having a great day. Scarlett, Stephen, the whole bunch. You folks over there at Radio International, hope you're having a great day as well. Over there in Europe, over there in England. freedominamericaradio.com Mr. Billy Van Horn I know he's working hard at whatever he's doing to keep that radio show up there at the top and Mr. B down there in Florida with radio, his radio station freedominamerica.us that guy's got more irons in the fire than irons hope you're having a great day Mr. B All right, Friday night, let's go honky tonky. Get them boots polished up. By God, we're going to get out there with Billy Bob and the rest of them. We're going to have a good time. You know, folks, down here in Texas, like I said, the weekends, as in any, any place throughout the United States, people look forward to the weekends. It's kind of a time where, you know, you break out of the salt mine, you get away from behind the desk or behind the bulldozer seat or wherever in the hell you do your work each week. And you got the weekend to kind of let your hair down and take out your favorite squeeze, your wife, whatever, kids, and just have a good old time. God created weekends for us. And he also created common sense. And common sense and weekends, sometimes they kind of lose touch with each other. People go out and party real hard and they forget sometimes that they shouldn't be on the road driving when they got adult libations under their belt, especially a bunch of them. So I'm just asking you, please, if you're out this weekend and you're out partying with your mates, you're out there partying with your wife, your girlfriend, whatever the case may be, Old bunch of you sitting around the bar and you're having a good time. When the last bell rings and they say we're closing shop for the night, don't be climbing in your car if you got uh, a little tipsy, if you've had more than a couple, two, three drinks. Get somebody else to drive you home and hasn't been drinking, or call yourself a cab. That'll get you home in one piece, okay? Weekends are great. I enjoyed them. And I still enjoy them. Going down to the local watering hole and, you know, just kicking up a storm on the dance floor. Down here in Texas, people love dance. And there's a dance hall just about around every corner down here in South Texas. And like I said, when weekends come, everybody's polishing that old pickup or car, getting everything just right to impress whoever they want to impress. And all the old cowboys down here getting their best pair of jeans all pressed up, nice little crease in them, putting on a nice bleached-out, white, beautiful white shirt, putting that hat on that cowboy hat, got them boots all polished up, and they're ready to hit it. You folks up there on the East Coast, you don't know what you're missing. I know what you think of us, and we really don't give a damn. You're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show, Friday edition, Anything Goes. And uh, I was kicking around bringing old Billy Bob and Carl in. Uh, They're they're not here today for some reason. I don't know where in the hell they're at. But most of the time they're in here listening to the show, sitting over on the couch drinking my beer. But they didn't show up today. I, I heard tell they did a show the other day. Maybe they think they're back on top again, celebrities again. And they, uh, sometimes they do good shows and sometimes they don't sometimes they get all wound up and think they're going to go out and just uh, knock the radio world dead then when they find out they didn't they get all discouraged but uh, I've told him, you know you gotta hang in there and stop drinking so damn much beer but Carl says I gotta drink beer at least four or five bottles of Lone Star or I'll just stutter all the time and it's true when he gets four or five bottles of Lone Star under his belt, he stops stuttering for some reason. I don't know what it is. I don't know what's in that beer that makes him do it, but uh, that's a true story. Carl don't stutter after he's drank it. Well, off will say a six-pack. How about that? But he never stops there. Those boys that destroy a case of beer before you can say Johnny Flash. That's right. But they're good guys. They're good guys. I'll be back after a few short messages. When I come back, I think I'm going to spin another song. How about it? You know, I, I'm aren't you? I'm just sick and tired. I'm sick and tired of politics, man. You know, how many times a day do you all get phone calls about it? surveys and somebody, local representative or what? My God, my phone rings all day. And now they're on the kick of giving money to the highway patrol fund and the Policeman's fund and all these other funds. I don't see anybody giving me any money. I really don't. But anyhow, we'll be right back. Stand by.
5: Liberty Council presents oral arguments against Virginia School. I am Matt Staver, founder and chairman of Liberty Council. We'll talk about this next on Freedom's Call. Today, Liberty Council is presenting oral arguments in a lawsuit against the School Board of Fairfax County, Virginia, for illegally changing its non discrimination policy that is now in conflict with the state's policy. Virginia law explicitly prohibits local governing bodies from adding or removing protected classes from the state's non discrimination policy. In direct defiance, Fairfax now has added two groups to its policy, including sexual orientation and gender identity. After attempts failed to convince the school board to follow Virginia law, Liberty Council sued the school, and today we are arguing our case. It was the reckless, unlawful conduct of the school board that brought unnecessary legal cost upon the district. No school may disregard the law. For more information, visit lc.org.
3: In Congress, in the courtroom, and in your community, Liberty Council is advancing life, liberty, and the family. Log on to lc.org.
1: That's right, you're on the right spot on the dial, right spot on the internet. You're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show, broadcasting Monday through Friday on Freedom in America Radio. All right, we haven't done this in a while. We haven't taken a train ride, have we? Let's get on board the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show Love Train. It's Friday. First stop, we know where the first stop's going to be. It's London, England. We're going to pick up old Mister Stephen Lang. He's waiting there at the station. All, all right, all you folks has got tickets for the Gary gatehouse House Radio Show Don't Love Train? Get on board. Get turn right. The club car is about two cars down, they're all down there, they're all down there, swilling the beer, drinking the gin and tonics, talking up a storm, get on down there, Billy Van Horn's down there, Trademark's down there, Scarlett's down there, they're all down there, ladies and gentlemen, go down there and join the gabbing session, if you will, Love Train, Friday, Gary Gatehouse, getting after Whoa! Mr. Donald Trump, how are you doing, sir? Well, I'm doing just fine. Sir, the uh, club car is right to the right there. A bunch of your constituents, or soon to be constituents, are down there. Probably talking about you. Why don't you go down and have a drink with them? Thank you, sir. Welcome to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show. Love train! Mr. Donald Trump, ladies and gentlemen, just got on board. Wow! Lindsey Graham, freight trains, two tracks over, buddy. You don't get on here. Hey, Senor, do I get on this train? Hey, man, you're illegal. You take that train, it's heading south. How about it? Oh, Gary Gatehouse Radio Show, Friday edition. Anything goes, getting after Lefty. Love train! I just left the station. And I tell you what, we got a whole house down there in the club room, or the club car today. Mr. Donald Trump's down there. You know, a lot of us supporters of uh, Donald Trump, a lot of us folks that uh, stand with him, I, for one, would love to meet that man. I really would. Maybe someday I will. Who knows? But uh, in the meantime, I will continue to do whatever I can uh, on the Gary Gatehouse radio show Getting after let the slash Trump radio station <laughs> pushing him, trying to get the word out about him, and uh, hopefully, if everything goes right, which I think it probably will, we will have a classy family, a classy individual, an individual that knows what they're doing in the White House come January of 2017, just around the corner. Just a few obstacles we got to clear to get him in there. But I don't think the obstacles are that big, do you? I really don't. Not the way the uh, political scene looks today, anyway. Oh, that can change. You know, it changes daily. When you're fighting all the mainstream media, ABC, Communist News Network, NBC, CBS, Fox News, PBS... New York Times, Washington Post, and on and on and on. When you're the only one standing up on the stage fighting all that, you've got to be tough. You've got to tell it like it is, and Trump does that. And the mainstream media, they don't like him. And Mr. Trump, he continues to kick ass and take names. One by one. Now, we're coming on top of the hour and we're coming close to closing the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show down, Friday edition. And uh, I've tried to string the show out today to a point where we we're not into politics. I that's why I call it Anything Goes Friday. And somewhere down the road, probably in the near, very, very, very near future, if everything is going right, and believe me, everything is going to have to click in place for this this to happen. The Gary Gatehouse show will start a new era in the Gary Gatehouse radio show. We will start doing talk radio with call-ins. Now this is going to happen somewhere down the road. I'm not going to say when because it's going to cost me a little bit more money. I'm like Donald Trump. I I, uh, pay for everything. I don't let anybody pay for anything as far as Corporations or businesses or anything. I don't want them coming to me and telling me you can't say that. Say this. We own you. No, no, no. Because I've had offers before and I've refused them. I don't want it. I want to be able to exercise my First Amendment right whenever I damn well please. On the air. With nobody hanging over my shoulder threatening to pull me off their Station, whatever. Now I've been kicked off stations before for speaking my mind, and I real I really don't care. If people are uh, you know want to do that, that own stations that I'm on somewhere down the road, whatever, that's just their prerogative. But it's not going to shut me up, just like it doesn't shut up Michael Savage or Sean Hannity or Rush Limbaugh. Now, they've got to tiptoe a little bit because their livelihood comes from corporate sponsors. Mine don't. Mine comes from hard work before I signed on to radio. 33 years of it. But anyway, getting back to the discussion of talk radio, I'm looking at the possibility of throwing my hat in the ring on that issue or that uh, point in my life as far as radio goes. And you people that have listened to me for some time know that I've been on the radio since 2006, internet radio. And uh, like I said, I've, I've turned down a few offers to go on AM, but I'm just, I am just just don't want to do it. Don't want to do it. And I think you folks that, uh, especially you folks that back Trump, you understand why and where I'm coming from. So if I do st- uh, start the uh, talk aspect of my show... Call ins, whatever you want to call them, maybe a guest here and there. I'm going to do it not in all, not just one fail swoop. It's going to be, I'm going to slide into it. Because if I don't like the way things are going, if I don't like, and I really, let's face it, if I don't work at, work well with that aspect of, of radio, then I'll just pull the plug on it. Just pull the plug on it and go back to commentary. I uh, I enjoy commentary. It's, it's something that a lot of people shy away from because when push comes to shove, when you're doing commentary and you're sitting in a studio, you're talking at a microphone. Not just talking into, you're looking at it. And you're looking at, I'm looking at three different computer screens. Other than that, there's nobody in here. Like I say, Billy Bob and Carl usually are in here, but they're not in here today. It's just me in the studio. So, when I'm talking to you out there and making commentary on whatever issue that we bring up and talk about, it's a completely different story than breaking it up into where you have people calling in, guests, and the only break in my commentary is some music, some 30-second spots, uh, advertisements, public service announcements, whatever you want to call them, Phyllis Schaffley report, Liberty Radio report, and anybody that wants to try to talk for two hours, sitting by yourself in front of a microphone, looking at a couple of two, three computer screens, and try to talk in such a way that is going to Keep the interest going with your audience. You're welcome to try. You're welcome to try. Now, I had a guy a long time ago tell me, look, you need, Mr. Gatehouse, you need guests on every show. You've got to have guests. And you need call-in. You can't just sit there and do commentary. You just can't do it. It's unheard of. You just can't do it. Well, I've done it. I'm doing it. I've had one guest on my show, actually two, since 2006. Two. One, I did a series of three interviews with the grandson of Jesse James. And the other one was the head of the Minuteman organization. That was it. And I enjoyed the Jesse James interview interviews, but the Minuteman interview, I just couldn't get into it. Just could not get into it. And you could tell that. You could tell it. I didn't sound, it, it just didn't please me at all. So you folks out there listen to the Gary Gatehouse radio show, I get numerous emails from you folks and they ask me, how do you do that? How, you know what we're talking about. How do you, How do you sit there and I don't know. Uh, It's just me, I guess. I enjoy talking. I enjoy talking to you all. I I can't see your faces. But I know you're out there. And I know you're like me. You love your country. You honor the Constitution. You stand by the laws of the land. You love the military. And you love all the freedoms that people now and in the past have fought for to, to, to give us. We're all from the same cut of cloth on all those issues. We're conservatives, we're patriots, we love America. When the flag is being raised and the national anthem's being played, I know a lot of you won't admit it, but it puts a chill up your spine, doesn't it? It does mine every time. Every time. And I have... Buddies that I lost in Vietnam, and when I see the national anthem, hear the national anthem, see the flag, or I hear hear taps, it puts a huge lump in my throat because I can still see their faces. I'm getting to be an old guy now. The faces I see in my mind's eye, those young guys, those guys are still young, still young, but they're gone. Never had the opportunity to come back home and see their loved ones or family members go back to work, whatever they, whatever their life call was. So, until Monday, I, I would like to wish you all a great weekend. And uh, I wish you would say a prayer for your country, for the military and their families they sacrifice so much not just the guy or gown uniform but their family they have children their children suffer a lot their daddy or mommy's away for so many months you know when i was away my first daughter was born not not 4 weeks 3 or 4 weeks after i arrived on station in in uh, vietnam she was a year old when i got home first time seeing her My wife and her, they're just as much Vietnam veterans as I am. Troopers. Real troopers. So you're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show, Friday edition, getting after Lefty. And I'd like to wish you all a great weekend. Safe weekend. God bless you and God bless your kids. God bless America. This is Gary Gatehouse. Until Monday, good day.